Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. You're listening to Theater in College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is Taylor and the Shark. We're brought to you by Dash Radio and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. I actually heard Lorenzo Montreal, former mm. big man for UCLA, arguably one of, and this is going to sound harsh, arguably one of the ugliest people to ever play collegiate basketball. That's what people are saying and have said. But Lorenzo Montreal, <laughs> subscribe, so you should as well. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is. And make sure to go ahead and follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel and the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. We're sponsored by Blue Note, artfully crafted small batch bourbon, distilled in Memphis and honoring the Memphis blues. Be noteworthy, Memphis. So, fellas, I listened to the episode last week, and to answer your question, and as you can clearly tell, I am alive and well. <laughs> I'm proud of you. We're proud of you for being here alive and well. I'm a pretty modest guy, but I'm proud of myself as well, actually. I got two bruised toesy-woesies, <laughs> but outside of that, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, not, I'm not any worse for wear. But I can, I can tell you for sure I will not be doing that again. It's one of those deals where I, I'll, I'll, it's a good dinner conversation, but I never want to do that again. So I do have to question one of your uh, hiking clothing choices. You are like a button up shirt that you wear out to bars, like hiking in the Grand Canyon. Let I, rec- you, I know that shirt. Okay. Let me tell you about the versatility of that shirt. That is my party shirt, but it's technically an outdoor shirt. <laughs> I'm serious. So my fiance's uncle used to have a outdoors outdoor shop and he gave it to her brother-in-law, but it was too big for him. So he gave it to me and I can't tell you how versatile and, and useful that shirt is because it's a great conversation starter uh, because a lot of people don't know if the print on the shirt is a swordfish or if it's a, uh, Oh shit. 
the hell's happening out there? Life in the city over here, boys. Keep, keep going. <laughs> What? I think that's the I think that's the fashion police actually showing up to this choice that you made for this shirt out in public or out hiking. That's all well, I'm coming with. Well, so the point is that before that siren rudely interrupted, <laughs> is that the shirt is a great conversation starter because people don't know if it's a marlin that's on it or a swordfish. And to be perfectly honest with you, it's one of the best debates I have when I'm out and about and when you're drunk. It's hot pink. So yes, it is my party shirt, but technically it is an outdoor shirt. And it was great in the hike in and the hike out. So I'm glad you noticed that. And that is the that is the backdrop and the background story of one of my favorite shorts in my shirts in my wardrobe. And you know me, you both know me, and that's it's a pretty limited wardrobe. <laughs> now, Shark has Subi ever had more than six shirts he wears on the same rotation in his whole life, even growing up. No, hold on. I'm just finishing. Uh, just lost in a rabbit hole of Lorenzo Real photos right now. <laughs> you want to lose an hour. Good God. Um, kind of looks like Lonzo Ball. Wait, if you really squint a little at him. But anyway, no, Sub, he, um, he, he's got his go-to place, right? He's got his, uh, you know, eye formation power eye right up the middle. The one I always seem to remember when he uh, it was that black button down, right? Oh, oh man. <laughs> You pull with that button down. <laughs> you walk in, you're, you can close a deal, you can get a date, or you can be comfortable. You're a triple threat when you wear that black button down. Um, I was able to catch some of those photos that you had, you posted from the canyon. Uh, I wasn't going to comment on the, the shirt he was wearing. I was going to comment on his sweatpants. Did you hike 10 miles in sweatpants? <laughs> Fucking chafing like an animal, I imagine. So, as discussed in the group chat, no, that was my camping gear, which was essentially sitting around the table and sleeping in. So that was uh, that is my my comfort clothes, which I, I still wear in the in my house. But no way in hell was I going to be camping in those. Uh, I work up too much of a sweat. They don't call me the body for nothing. So <laughs> I needed free flowing shorts. Uh, that didn't cover my legs well, and, and, you and forearms. To, you probably had to carry all your excess gear, right? Yeah, it was terrible. Okay, you, so yeah, so I want to ask you: did, Was there any unnecessary uh, items that you brought along? Because there's an old saying: "Extra pounds, pounds equals pain." Doesn't matter how small it is, if you, you got to make it essential gear to bring. So, sweatpants, leisure sweatpants to wear along. <laughs> I don't know how that made the cut. Well, what was I supposed to wear at night? It gets cold. A blanket. Um, yeah, I thought you were going to be snuggied up just roll with the snuggie the whole time but you know now that you bring it up and how cold was it it's arizona it was pretty like fucking nine, 90 degrees all the time it's the desert guy <laughs> desert desert temperatures there's extremes and we were up in up north but that being said in terms of what i had to bring uh i tried to be as limited as possible and i gotta tell you i actually think i underpacked somehow because a wow. good amount of my stuff got wet and i was just uh, uncomfortable for the last half of of the final day Moisture is just, yeah, it's a killer in those situations. Well, you're right, Shark, in the sense that it is Arizona and it doesn't really, we've, we're past monsoon season, but it, we decided to camp the three fucking days that it decides to rain. I know Taylor, Taylor brought that up during the last show. <laughs> I did like hard rain, not just like a slight drizzle, like, like several inches of rain. It was brutal, man. And so the, the hike down was fine. The, the, the waterfalls were great. The hike up, I wouldn't w wish on my worst enemy. 
I, I wouldn't wish Vital in his prime doing that. Wow. Right. I wouldn't wish any of the guys that have inexplicably blocked me on Twitter to have to do that climb out of that canyon with a waterlogged tent attached to my backpack. What was the way you described it that uh, one of our buddies in our crew chat said was hilarious? Basically, like, yeah, great trip, never doing it again. <laughs> that's that's exactly it. Was it, that it, it was I that I think you hit the nail on the head. It is something that it's it was a cool experience. Glad I did it. Not doing it ever again. You feel Would like you-, you can see clearly now. Sorry, Taylor. No, you're I good. Got one final question. You feel like you can see clearly. You can see the board now. You ready? You ready to uh, enlighten us with a few thoughts? Well, I, I felt great. I felt great. Not initially after it. I was actually shaking a little bit, and my, my thighs were just trembling. Two hams just wow. jiggling away. But <laughs> uh, I, I did find myself. I would say, and I'll, let me tell you this. Also, we actually had to hike through the village of uh, the Havasupai like, tribe. Oh, of course, and and so they got some pretty good courts down there. Like, <laughs> I was looking at the, like they have a little school, right? And so they got some good nets. Like they got they got a good hoop down there. And so I was thinking to myself, how you know. I, when when you're excommunicated from the world, you let your mind wander. And so I'm just trying to imagine like Sean Miller or Bobby Hurley or Rick Barnes or Shaka Smart, who does have a native on his team at Texas. Uh, I'm just picturing one of these guys like helicoptering in down into the canyon to recruit one of these players and just like bring them out. Basically, like you look up, man, and you're looking at the walls of the canyon. That's where these that's where these guys live. If you want to talk about a rabbit hole, I, I just went down one. Wow, I don't even know where to go with that. Uh, I mean, just it, it speaks to me considering like all of the Alaskan villages we have. Kamaka Hepa is the native Alaskan that is on Texas with Shaka Smart, and he's from a town called Barrow. But Barrow is like way bigger than Havasupai Elementary School or whatever. So I'm actually looking at how they just an article about how they built some new courts out there recently. So I'm telling you, man, they look pretty pristine. Yeah, looking good, looking good. I do have. I do want to go back one section for a minute here, though, and say, would you do that trip again if it meant that Marty Smith would unblock you on Twitter? No, Marty Smith. Marty Smith doesn't mean that much to me. I like him. <laughs> wow. Well, no. that's why he has you blocked on Twitter. You just—that's why, right there. I mean, he's, if, if he's I finally going to gonna listen to this, he's finally going to listen to this and be like, you know, I'm give this guy another shot. He's got funny shirt stories. He's a hiker, whatever. And then nine minutes in, in. He's going to listen to it. Marty Smith doesn't mean that much to me, and you're done. Well, how about this? If Marty listens to this and tweets it out to his followers, then yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that Shrek again. Okay, good to know. Good I to need know. a recap, though, fellas. What uh, what happened last week? Because I I was not looking at my phone at all. No service whatsoever. Obviously, did not know what was going on in college hoops. Give me the news and notes. I see Wiseman has to like pay a, a 11k to a charity or something what the hell is that about yeah i'll probably just borrow the money from penny right i mean where else is he going to get twelve thousand dollars eleven thousand five hundred dollars it doesn't make any sense at all yeah the ncaa is a joke shark it, what, do you know what's going on with this wiseman thing are you are you kind of two-stepping because i did see <laughs> someone tweet about penny penny misplaying his hand there I mean, I'm right. I was right. I wish we could play it back right now on that first episode. I called it short-sighted. I called it uh, uh, backhanded. I, what, what was the best way I described the move? Um, I forget what it was. But I actually had a nice chat with uh, 
the barn burner chief in DC uh, over the weekend. We were discussing it for a while. He's got a lot of strong opinions related to the case. Um, frankly, I, I kind of feel bad for the situation. I think as it happened, his, his whole thing was, you know, what, what should Memphis have done? You know, should, should Memphis, what were they supposed to do? All indications that they had going into the season was that this was already looked at by the NCAA. It was cleared and he might as well, what, what more can they do? Um, so the one question that I don't think we're ever going to be able to get answered is, you know, how long was it going to take the NCAA to make a decision after they announced that he was ineligible on the uh, right before tip-off in the first game? How long was it supposed to take at that point for the NCAA to make their recommendation on how long he has to sit out or if he has to sit out, all of that? Because Memphis, in their defense, uh, they probably thought maybe the NCAA is going to take forever, so we might as well just take action right now. Well, yeah, I, 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 yeah. Defiant. That was what I said. Defiant. That's the word. Good movie. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Craig, Polish guys in the force. Good, good film. But yeah, well, I, I think that's what Taylor and I had said as well, is that the NCAA typically drags their feet in these scenarios. And so you say to yourself, well, I have James Wiseman for basically this semester, these next couple months. I'm going to go ahead and play him. I don't, I don't care what the, what the repercussions are. And I think our, our initial standpoint was, well, if he's going to get suspended or if he's, you know, sitting him out, it probably isn't going to reduce that suspension. I just think it's hilarious that they're making him pay a charity for him to come back. So is he suspended indefinitely or just 12 games? Or like what? I thought it was 11 games, right? Yeah. So it was 12 games 12 and he, but he'd already sat out one when the suspension came. So it's 11 more games from last week and they've played, uh, I think they've just played once since then. But I think there's an argument to be made, and you kind of reference it, Shark, that, um, okay, so let's say it's 11 games. And that could actually be a better outcome than the whole season. And then I think we even joked about uh, the NCAA declaring him eligible on, like, April 5th, the day after the national championship game, right? So you might as well, if that's if you're Memphis and you think that's a possibility – that they might not even come to a decision this year. You might as well try and force their hand and make it national news or whatever, you know, put it out there on front street so that maybe they're forced to make a decision. And if I'm a Memphis fan, although I'm disappointed in um, Wiseman being out for the first uh, two months of the season, it's probably still an overall net win because you still get pretty much 18, 20 games for Wiseman before the tournament, which is more than enough to – if to you decide him to in the play, f- why would you play? Oh, if you're sure, sure. That's yeah. I mean, you'd have to look at what the what your draft stock is, so on and so forth. Yeah, but that's draft also, stock's that, number one. He's gonna be the first pick. You want to go make well, some money? You want to go play in on New Zealand, Australia? That's what I would do if I were him. Sure. No, and that's and that's actually something that I you know I maybe thought about, but hadn't put a lot of thought into. Is yeah, why would you go play at that point? Um, I, I guess it would just have to be a personal preference how he feels towards Penny. You know, maybe that would have something to do with it. Maybe his advisors will tell him uh, one thing or another. But um, I, I, I don't know. I probably would still play, but I, I think I, I certainly would completely understand not playing at this point. I, I don't understand how he feels about Penny. He might like Penny a lot, but the only reason he's caught up in this predicament right now is because of Penny. All right. This isn't some 
uh, shadowy booster in the background that's giving him the money. It's his head coach that's supposed to be looking out for his best interests. I don't care that it happened 10 years ago or whatever it was. Penny is the one that put him in this position. Uh, and it, another aspect that we didn't really touch on this much was this probably – we don't know what the sort of sanctions or punishment is going to be for Memphis in terms of postseason and whatever. It might be nothing. Scholarships might be nothing. But the the uh, indirect effect of this is that other coaches on the recruiting trail are going to be able to use this against Memphis. Memphis seemed to kind of crack through the ceiling at this point. Now, all of a sudden, if I'm Coach K or John Cal, I could just point it to if I'm trying to recruit a five-star guy in his living room, just tell him, look, Memphis – they'll get you here and then you'll be suspended for a quarter of your season. Why do you want to do that? And then it doesn't matter if it's true. It doesn't matter if the, how strong the evidence is against them. This stink is always going to be there associated with the program. And I'm, I wouldn't want to send my five-star son to that school if he's going to have any risk of being ineligible to play. Sure. That's a good point. And it is kind of funny that I, I'm not sure if Cal is necessarily the best reference to Memphis because all of his games when he coached there did get well. You got to admit, yeah, he didn't get, sus- admit he didn't get suspended. It. Yeah, yeah, he didn't get he, anybody he, suspended though. So he, he right. did. The, he stunk it up and then he left and then he <laughs> never stuck to him. So he, yeah, so, Cal, Cal's Teflon basically. So when Cal gets hired to the NBA, should Kentucky just hire Penny and just keep this circle going? Yeah, just keep cleaning up, <laughs> cleaning up his poop. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so these these next twelve games are going to be huge, not only because Wiseman's out, but your boy Quinoa there, Taylor Lester Quinones, has a broken hand, so yeah. I think he's out four to six weeks. That's a huge blow for for Memphis because he was picking up a lot of the slack in terms of scoring, and now they're just going to have to. I mean, let's see how deep these five star recruits are with Precious Achua and Boogie Ellis. I'm sure I'm, I'm forgetting some other individuals on that Memphis team, but those are the ones that are supposed to pick up the slack now moving forward and now they're going to be without two of their best best players and so right now if you if you told the barn guys sometime in august like okay we're sitting here a couple days before thanksgiving and your two best players for sure wiseman is their best player but arguably quinones as their second best player is they're they're going to be out for pretty much up until uh you know mid-january mm-hmm it's 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 got to be disappointing. It's it's started out as a season with so much promise and so much hope. And obviously, Taylor, prior to in our predictions, we were discussing about how you think they're an Elite Eight team, and I think that they're a Sweet Sixteen team. I think that would be a good barometer for success. I don't know if we're going to see them reach reach that level, but if everything comes back and and gels, let's say Quinones comes back fully healthy with after his broken hand, Wiseman does decide to play. That's going to be a very dangerous team in the tournament because once they're healthy, I don't think that they're going to be out of out of the tournament. Once they're healthy, this is going to be a shitty team as like an eleven or a ten seed where you're like, God damn it! Why, like, why do we have to? This the talent doesn't equate to their seeding is what I'm projecting for them. Well, I don't. I will. I wouldn't anticipate them being that low as a like a ten seed. I think there's still be a six seven seed i i think uh what's really beneficial to them is they don't play houston who should be their biggest competitor in the american they don't play houston until february 22nd that's their first game with houston that's and then, so they play yeah and then they play houston last game of the year on march 8th so that's actually really big because wiseman will be back for at least 10 12 games before that so if you're saying okay then our best competition or we're still going to have 
theoretically our best team for our biggest competition in the conference. That's a, it's still a net win, I think, for for Memphis. If you just look at the greater scheme of how this all could have turned out for now, right now, like now, or like Shark said, could be bad down the line next year. Who knows? Because they're not going to postseason ban them this year, in, in my estimation, because they don't. They, nobody makes a decision that quickly. But um, maybe Penny anticipates that he just doesn't. He just doesn't have either the confidence or he just understands that this is kind of a once in a lifetime talent coaching situation and, you know, and just mortgage the future for what they have now. And I, I mean, I, I don't know if that's again, a smart play or not, but at least for the now Wiseman's back for their biggest games of conference play. So I could, I could still, I would still say they're going to win their conference. Well, this yeah. is going to be a huge prove it uh, stretch here for Penny. You know, the, the, the haters and doubters that say he can't actually coach. He just gets to, he just croots and throws out these guys on the floor. Now I don't necessarily know if Penny can coach to be brutally honest with you. So I think the jury's still out in terms of his in-game decision-making and his, and his uh, the, call, the jury, play calling ability. The jury has returned a verdict. He's not, he's not a good coach. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, he's, but, been, he's been, he's coached one full season. Yeah, and it was enough to convict him of being a bad coach right away. But I, mean, I think you're being premature again here. I, from what Taylor seems still somewhat confident, but Subi over there, you're saying you're acting like Memphis is dead now. They're still nasty. They still got Precious Achua. They still got Lomax. They still got a very deep roster. So they're going to be fine. Um, I don't understand why we're automatically counting them out at this point. It's just a it, because the guy with the short shorts is going to be out for a little bit. Look, I'm not, I'm not counting them out, but I'm saying if you were to tell the barn guys or any Memphis fans, Hey, Quinones and Wiseman are out for a considerable amount of time. I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not counting them out, but they got to be in some sort of, you know, they, they, they're probably going to be a little apprehensive going into the new year. And there's probably some uncertain times right now. I, I don't think that you can a hundred percent rely on a Chua and, and, uh, Lomax and all these other guys when Wiseman was your was your horse and so was Quinones. The only well, loss I, I definitely see on their schedule is December 14th in Knoxville because Rick Barnes is going to – you want to talk about a two-step, that's going to be a two-step because Rick Barnes and Penny do not like each other and there's a risk of the rivalry not being renewed moving well, forward. Well, so I want to actually open that up because I feel like this is just a one-way hatred. Like I feel like Rick Barnes doesn't hate or dislike anyone. Penny's just yeah. – manufacturing all this hate and it's good it's it's good for the in-state rivalry but like yeah Penny definitely seems very upset at rick barnes yeah and it, it, that's the whole thing that has pissed off rick barnes now because it all stems back to the game they played last year when penny had thought that uh jordan bone and other guys on the team were attempting to fight the memphis players and you can go back and watch the tape uh, 11 which ways and there's no confrontation there was no penny said something about balled up fists on jordan bone ready to fight alex lomax and it's not there whatsoever uh and then in the post-game press conference Penny had these comments about Rick Barnes. We covered it on the show already, but really it was just completely manufactured, as you said, to the point where 
you know, I'd be pissed off if I was Rick Barnes and there's this guy that, you know, I don't have to play. This is a bigger game for Memphis to put on their schedule than it is for Tennessee to put on their schedule. I don't have to play this guy. And when he does open his mouth, he's opening his mouth about me and making these false accusations. So he can go fuck himself. He can go have his best player sit out for 12 games. I'm going to keep running a clean program over here and I'm not going to play him again because I get no benefit out of this. That's the way it is right now. Uh, so, yeah. Well, so Tennessee as well unpacking that them as a team a couple of weeks ago you had sent a text saying that trying to control the narrative saying that look i'm going to tell you right now tennessee's not good great text they are, they, <laughs> well is this a like a reverse reverse jinx or something because yeah, i'm sure you're very world. pleasantly surprised right now they are the number 17 ranked team in the country undefeated right they, they haven't lost a game just yet they have not so i actually am i, I think this might be a, be, a better coaching coaching job than what Rick Barnes did last year with all that talent and develop developing all that talent, of course, but he loses Schofield. He loses Grant Williams, the head of the snake. And they're basically right. I mean, they were a top 10 team all of last year at one point were ranked number one throughout the season, but being in the rankings right now and inching towards the top 10 ranking right right now at 17 is pretty fucking impressive. And I, I got to say, I didn't expect that out of this, this year's volunteer group. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not gonna blow my load here because, as we know, you can't you can't put that load back in. But uh, we, I, I'm not gonna lose it on them right now, just because I'm a little nervous still. Um, when you look at the team, we touched on this a little last week. They're really their only good wins against Washington. They beat them on a neutral court, and their starters scored pretty much every point. They're not very deep right now. They they need they need someone to step up. They need their transfer center from Arizona State, Ergo Plazovic, whatever his name is. He's probably not going to get approved on his third attempt to get a waiver. But they're kind of fool's gold at this point because uh, there's no depth and there's no scorer, go-to scorer outside of Jordan Bowden. I will say uh, I had this thought over the weekend, and it was kind of very difficult for me to have. If Grant Williams and Jordan Bone – decided to not declare for the NBA draft. This is hands down the number one team in the country and the perennial favorite to win it all, given the fact that no one has really emerged this year outside of another Duke team. Would you guys agree with that? I'd be fine in agreeing with that. I mean, yeah, we, sure. We have a ton of different what ifs or I would do X, Y, and Z for a Grant Williams on my team. Grant Williams is the perfect collegiate basketball player, right? We've said like I would live in a mud hut in Syria for Grant Williams <laughs> to be on my on my basketball team, right? I would I would hike the goddamn Grand Canyon just like I did for Grant Williams to be on my <laughs> basketball team. And then you return Jordan Bone like you had mentioned. Yeah, I'd give them the perennial number one for sure. Consensus, Taylor. What what say you? Yeah, I, I sure. I mean, I think the problem with that is you could probably has to take 10 different teams per year and no, say, well, you, yeah, you all of their best players didn't leave, they'd be better. Well, no, yeah. But they, yeah. No, the reason that doesn't work is because both Grant Williams and mm-hmm. Jordan Bone, they aren't guys that were expected to declare for the NBA draft sure. after their junior sure. year. That's what makes them unique because they're a completely three-star guys, homegrown, and still incredibly talented at the collegiate level. So it's very painful, but what can you do? Hey, Grant Williams averaging of. Uh, a hefty 2.6 points a game this year. Yeah, but he's averaging like 17 Tommy points a game. That's going to yeah. set a record. Uh, yeah. I, I can tell you Grant Williams was not drafted for, for his scoring ability. Whatever he puts in the hoop <laughs> is is a nice uh, 
it's just an, some good Parmesan on top of the ragu. That's, Shooting that's 20, awesome. 27% from the field so far in his NBA career. Nice. Hey, quick, uh, really nice. Nice. <laughs> quick, quick update. Uh, Michigan State only down two now with two minutes to go in that game. So we got a, uh, we got a barn burner there. Wow. So like, Whoa. That's, that's how I, also, I have to things. say one more thing while we're on this little topic. When I met with the barn chief the other day, he was telling me all these stories about uh, uh, Quinoa. So I can't pronounce his name on Memphis. And he was saying one, cause I was commenting on his shorts, obviously. And he's like, all right, first of all, why does everyone care so much about his shorts? Yada, yada, yada. And apparently what he does is he rolls them up underneath his spandex. That's why they look even more short than typical. They're not like the guy that used to play for St. John's. And then he told me this other story about how eccentric he is and how everyone in Memphis, and they're all probably listening to this and wondering why I'm the one telling this story. But I guess when he goes to restaurants in Memphis, he has to, because he's from somewhere in Long Island, New York. I don't know if he makes him prissy or anything, but he gets his silverware. He has to like, boil his silverware in hot water before he eats at these restaurants. Very strange cat. Uh, something for us to keep our eyes on. What a <laughs> nugget. That could be the difference wow. between me. pick. Uh, like, do I want a salt of the earth type point guard or do I want a guy who, who, who I can see his thighs 24 seven and he just needs boiled silverware. Yeah. Well, know. we, we know two things then he has a much higher likelihood of not being sick for a game this year. But a much higher likelihood than probably almost any other college basketball player to be out for a game because he burned his hands. So I guess a little give, little take on that. I'm not sure which one would be better to have, less sick or more hands. I don't know, but he's unique in that category, I think, by himself. I uh, yeah. So th- this is a great nugget. Keep keep these <laughs> keep this intel coming. So That's we'll, we'll we'll know that. Uh, I might <laughs> I might have to contact some of the restaurant tours down there in Associate down in Memphis. <laughs> To, to see uh, to see if they actually accommodate that request. What a ridiculous request that is. But a couple other news and notes from last week. I see Baylor beat Nova. Nova just, they got embarrassed at Ohio State. Now they lost lost to Baylor. Uh, who, who I, two teams who I do think are actually good. Uh, any, any thoughts on that Baylor over, over Nova game? Does that tell you, Taylor, more about Baylor or Nova or both or neither? Uh, Nova, because I think Baylor is good and I don't, and they had a tough game in, against Washington as their only loss. So, uh, knowing what we know about Washington, meaning that they can be super talented and win games alone on that at this point, uh, I, that's not a bad loss by any means. Washington is not awesome yet, but they certainly can knock off people because of their talent. So that's not a bad loss. And for Villanova, it's not a bad loss, but it definitely says if you combine this with their Ohio State game that they are probably not a top 25 basketball team right now. Um, they are, I guess, how I think of Florida. And I know I brought up Florida on like every episode that we've had so far, but they've just been such a strange team this year. They're like, they win every game by like two points. It doesn't matter who they're playing or they lose to the shitty teams. They lose to the shitty teams and they beat the decent teams by like two points each because they just ended up beating Xavier. So and Miami. Uh, to, yeah. And Miami. So, so since you guys both pronounced them dead, Florida this weekend goes in and beats an ACC team and then beats uh, the number 18 team in the country. Um, 
I got, I got to tell you, I, I really admire you labeling that as, as an ACC team. Yeah. Well, like It's like they beat Duke or Louisville or Carolina. Well, it's funny you say that because you guys are all washing the balls of Louisville right now. And what do you think? What's their best win on the year? Oh, it's Miami. And it was only by 13 points. And that's funny because Louisville just barely squeaked by. I don't yeah. even know what school that was the other day. So why, why don't you guys be consistent with your takes over here rather than just regurgitating whatever just happened and say, oh, they're good. Oh, they're not good. Oh, they're good. Get number two team in the country. Number two team in the country. Yeah. All right. I'd like to see him play Florida. It was was Akron is who they, you know, one of LeBron's 15 favorite colleges. Akron is who uh, they just beat 82 to 76 uh, last night. But um, I, you know, going back to Villanova, I don't really see. I mean, I guess, you know, they have some talented freshmen and, and whatnot, but I'm not just, I'm not sure when it's all going to come together for them. I'm not super confident in that program right now, other than the fact that um, they are a perennial powerhouse. They have, it's, they're one of the best programs in the country. So, you know, I, I, I would say that's their only saving grace is that their leadership is as good as you can get in college basketball. Uh, and as good looking as you can get in college basketball. So that would be why, you know, you don't throw a team like Villanova away. But I have been very underwhelmed with him to this point this year, especially after the loss to Baylor. Not saying that it's a bad loss, but you start off the year at number 10 and you've taken a, a, a blowout loss and then another loss already two weeks, three weeks into the season. Actually, funny enough, we're six, seven games into the season. We're already like a, a fifth of the way through the college basketball season, which is pretty crazy to think about. I know. Yeah, sooner sooner or later we're going to be seeing conference games. But right now let's enjoy Feast Week. Let's enjoy all these tournaments. Maui Invitational going on right now. Again, Michigan State and uh, Virginia Tech in, in a real barn burner. But uh, the Maui Invitational, let me just real quick side note, I fucking love how soft the rims are. Just, <laughs> I mean, a pillowy, feathery, soft. Those Like anytime it bounces, the ball bounces on it, there's a pretty solid chance that it's going to go back in. So uh, I, I love what they're doing at the Lahaina Center, which I, I think that's what it is. But soft-ass rims there down in Maui. I always think it's weird that you have like Lute Olsen and Coach K and all these guys, you know, they have those murals behind the baskets and like you're shooting – into people's faces like here's a 30 foot Ludelson standing behind a basket or whoever you know all in hawaiian shirts i do think that that's got to be an interesting uh interesting shooting backdrop is 30 foot tall coaching legends right behind the basket great gym the lahaina center though been there not for not during the maui invitational but just to check out where the maui invitational was at and it's yeah i mean it's a high school gym Yeah, no, absolutely. So real quick, going back to Nova, though, I want to take a second because I feel like people when like, for example, the Buffalo Bills, there's so many what ifs after their four straight Super Bowl runs. Right. Right. They they don't they don't actually win the big one. And I feel like there's so many times where people can say, God damn it, if we just had one of one out of those four, two out of those four, whatever it is, Villanova can be very content, especially after last year and potentially what they're going through this year. And say to themselves, they're they're the perfect team where they can say, thank God we got just one of those titles, right? They're spoiling themselves with two. But the fact that they got one of those is huge because it it, it almost, because at that point, we're pretty much saying Jay Wright might be the best coach 
to never win a national title, or he's certainly in the conversation. So good for Villanova for actually being able to take advantage of those. Oh, yeah, you gain just with one alone, but with two, you gain 10, 15 Dynasty years. Dynasty uh, status, too. Uh, yeah, 10, 15 years mm-hmm. of of good favor with your fans and your you know recruits with everybody. So, uh, yeah, it it's 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 almost not to, it's not to say who cares in a way but it's almost kind of the same thing with virginia this year where it's like well it doesn't really matter how good they, how well they do this year because they're still going to be thought of because they finally won that that big game they're going to be thought of that high um but yeah i don't obviously the, this goes for every single team in the country but there's still a lot to be seen from villanova i'm just not confident i know we're only six games in i'm just not confident that their ceiling is as high as maybe we previously thought it was before the season started shark did this baylor nova game tell you anything about either team didn't watch one second of it, it was on <laughs> right in the heart of uh nfl football and so you mentioned you know we're or someone mentioned we're a fifth of the way through the season is there any it, if we're looking at the fifths of the season, this is just completely empty calories that we have right here. Sure. To take the analogy, of the, we're in feast week right now. So we're going into that second fifth. We're getting our first good app at this point. But we just spent about an hour and a half eating bread and uh, maybe maybe whatever other finger foods are just floating around because I didn't watch one second of that game. I do know that I like Baylor, though. Right. So that it's a good point that you have because I was thinking that same thing and we kind of had that same – uh, thought on last week's episode, and that is, there really weren't very many big games for a week at least here. You know, there were like a handful at best of ranked matchups, and even on you know up, up until today, and Michigan State just lost, by the way. Um, today, there's finally some good games, but tomorrow and Wednesday especially is this to me. Even though I'm a college basketball junkie, if we're watching practices and stuff in August. Uh, this, to me, is where the season actually starts, is this week, is where we really get an idea of who's good and who's needs, you know, has work to do. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And with that Michigan State loss, they completely fucked up a delicious potential matchup between them and Kansas. So, God damn it, Tom Izzo and, and, and Sparty. That's two losses on the year so far for them. Uh, and then also, ASU almost beat Virginia yesterday. That was a yeah. disgust. That was a vintage. I mean, just looking at the score, it, it looked to be a vintage Virginia offensive and defensive performance, right? Holding your team to under 50 points, but also only scoring like 47 points yourselves. Uh, I don't know if my poor little heart could have taken ASU upending a top seven team in both football and, and basketball. So thank you to Virginia for actually pulling that out. But that was a, a score line that kind of got me shocked and raised some eyebrows. So think about this. All right. I was reading an article today and someone uh, wrote a similar uh, thread on Reddit college basketball about this. Virginia basketball is only allowing 42.6 points per game this year. That's the best in the country, right? There is one other program in the country, the Martin Luther Knights, which is a D3A team that's allowing less points than that, and that's 37. But here's a fun fact for my Northeastern folks, as you are. UMass football team is allowing an average of 52.7 points a game 
this year. So Virginia's <laughs> basketball defense is 10 points better than UMass's football defense. Take take of that whatever you will right there. I think you just got to blow up the UMass football team. <laughs> With the exception of Andy Isabella, that, that program has produced nothing. <laughs> UMass basketball, not that bad, though. Got my eye on them. Got my eye. They're not that bad. They, Is that they, also, they, they also played UVA this past weekend, uh, only lost by 12. And they almost scored 50 points. So take that, Arizona State. But losing by 12 to Virginia is like losing to, by 24 to any other team. There's just not enough possessions against Virginia to like score 14 points to win a game. You know, seven. Where are you getting seven buckets? Against Virginia, that's literally probably 20 possessions you're going to need to get seven buckets. That's and fair. It, yeah. And I think UMass had a ridiculous 11-0 run at the end of the half, too. So if that didn't happen, then whew. And then so, they yeah. St. John's the next day. They'll yeah, always have that 11-0 run, though. <laughs> Gotta hold on to that. Is there more of a UMass athletic statement than saying, hey, not that bad this year? <laughs> In support yeah. of the program? Yeah, like, ah, yeah. It, it could be okay once. In something. So Played, played them tight. Played them tight. <laughs> Bunch of dudes there at UMass. Bunch of dudes, yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's look ahead to some of these potential matchups that we're we're salivating over. Uh, I'm going to start with Providence College in Arizona out in Anaheim. I want that matchup to happen in the title game, the Wooden Classic, because it would mean revenge for Arizona. I think four or five years ago they lost to PC in the same tournament, Taylor? Yeah. Yes, it was some kind of random. It was in Southern California. I just it was some that. random Southern California tournament that may have or may not have been called the Wooden Legacy yeah. Classic at the time. But uh, I, I want this as a rematch because last time Arizona just got absolutely Ben Bentled. He he killed us last game. Ben Bentled <laughs> did, and uh, you know Tar- Tarzuski kind of got eaten up too, if I remember correctly. Well, and Chris Dunn was on that team, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, we might have gotten dunned also. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we did. Uh, I don't see any way uh, Arizona and Providence don't meet in this title game. There are other, the other people in this tournament are Penn, UCF, Wake Forest, Charleston, Pepperdine, Long Beach State. Uh, nothing really to see there. Uh, I would actually be surprised if Arizona doesn't win the tournament, doesn't win the, that tournament like by a decent amount. Um, so that's not, you know, that's not necessarily one of the marquee, um, tournaments, but the, the Arizona Providence game, which we hopefully get at the end will be a a legitimate, uh, out of conference game that either team will point to when it comes to tournament time to, to figure out some seeding. So a big enough game. Yeah, definitely to, to keep it on the radar. I think Arizona is doing a good job of kind of ramping up their schedule in the sense that they've now gotten past what is probably the easiest part of their schedule. They took care of business at home with, you could argue maybe the exception against South Dakota state, who is still a solid team, despite not having the dominator anymore. Not that, not that bad. Yeah. What, as someone would say in here, not that bad, not that bad. (laughs) Uh, Also Mike Dom, if he was on South Dakota state, I would be willing to bet my left nut that he would drop like 60 in McHale center down in Tucson. That's just what those scoring guards do. If anyone remembers Jimmer Fredette and BYU, he dropped a McHale Center record, didn't he? Did he have 52? 54, I believe it was. 54. Yes. Yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to short you two points there, Jimmer, uh, but I'm glad the Dominator's not there and it wasn't there <laughs> for that matchup the other night. Yeah, uh, that was a rough game. Um, uh, actually, a good friend of the program, Cody Hoxie, was 
texting me similar sentiments that the shark was giving to me on the last show uh, when he said, uh, yeah, we need to drop Arizona, right? Because they only won by, you know, a couple possessions, which is what I was harping on every team that wasn't playing well last week. So, of course, as per usual, Arizona dominates every single other game this year. And then the one time I say something about it, they uh, they go ahead and just win a game by six points, as is tradition. Yeah. At, so- what, at what point are you guys going to get – Super obnoxious or super confident with Arizona and this team here. If they are if we they there beat, yet, or is it going to no. be a win at, at Baylor? If no, super yeah, obnoxious. Baylor. So super obnoxious. I'm going to hold if they beat Baylor and if they beat Gonzaga. If they beat both of those teams, I'm I'm back to getting my heart broken in the Elite Eight. Okay. Yeah, you That's might my, as <laughs> my favorite version of you. You might as well just put the podcast on mute for like 20 minutes and let Subi and I go back and forth if that, if that happens, I guess. So but that Gonzaga game is going to be monstrous on December 14th down there in Tucson. Huge deal that it's in Tucson and not up in Spokane. I mean, you guys uh, should, well, you sure. guys should probably be favored by like at least five points, right? Against Gonzaga? Gonzaga's got, uh, Kieran Tilly's not playing. Their, their team right now looks like a, uh, Eastern European Olympic team. Like, yeah, you, look, look up the names on that. Team. Is and that different? Is that different than normal? Yeah, yeah Nigel You know, you get a little. You, you throw some point guards in there. Who was the lefty shooter last year? Uh, Zach Norvell. Norvell. Yeah, you get you got some guys <laughs> like that. This I mean, year, it's incredible. They literally <laughs> had a Polish guy on their team, a Polish seven foot monster, Primit yeah. Karnowski. Yeah. I wonder yeah. if you've seen uh, Defiant with Daniel Craig about the Polish guys <laughs> in the forest. Tweet it at him. Tweet it at him. Great. In his, in, his, uh, in his native language, though, so it's a little easier for him to understand. Yeah. So I'm going to be looking forward to PC versus Arizona just for the revenge factor. One other note on this tournament, you discussed some of the other teams. I agree. I think we're headed for a collision course of Arizona versus PC with I think Arizona will win the tournament. But we have another buddy of ours who went to Wake Forest. And he tried chir- chirping me and this other kid who went to PC. And obviously, Arizona and the Friars are the two top teams in that tournament. And then this Wake Forest guy just comes in trying to trying to talk shit. <laughs> and, and it's basically like the MJ versus LeBron goat debate. And then someone comes in trying to tell you like Kobe Bryant's the, the greatest of all time. <laughs> that's that's kind of how I looked at it. So. Uh, I don't expect anything at all from from Wake Forest. And a, another quick side note: I don't know how Danny Manning has a job. It's got to be uh, some contract that that they've given him. I don't know his contract details, but they probably just can't afford to pay him to not coach. It's insane that he still has a job though, because he fucking sucks. Uh, they did just have a big win over Davidson this weekend. Uh, tough loss to Charlotte last week, though. So that's really going to set them back. Uh, What's going, going on with Davidson? Uh, they were they were favored. I was I don't know. They're two and three. I, what what do you mean? What's going on with Davidson? Uh, that wasn't they were really supposed to be good this year. Yeah. Okay. Uh, John Axel Goodmanson. Yeah. Your boy. That's how good they were supposed to be, Goodmanson. They uh, they play Marquette on Thursday, so maybe that'll give us a good idea of if they're going to be decent or not. Although Get it together, that- McKellops. Marcus Howard is probably going to score like 40 points. I'm guessing. Yeah. He's he's going to get in that ass. He's going to get <laughs> Leon from curb. So, all right. I got so I'm looking forward to PC versus Arizona. Uh 
another potential matchup we had discussed Gonzaga, but they could be on a collision course with North Carolina. Shark, any thoughts on a potential North Carolina Gonzaga matchup? I wasn't even thinking about that one. I was thinking about Oregon, North Carolina. Which well, I let's talk Oregon. You're the Oregon guy. Yeah. Uh, let's talk Oregon, know, North Carolina. We all know that I am a duck. All right. Only on basketball. I was not pulling for them. Uh, I don't like Herbert. So I wasn't pulling for them on uh, against ASU this weekend. But anyway, Oregon, North Carolina. I think that's in the Atlantis one, which is always a beautiful visual sight on your TV. On Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, very bright. It's always bright. The court is very bright, but then it's like Madison Square Garden where the stands are very dark. Uh, I hate watching games at the Battle for Atlantis. It uh, might be my least favorite, uh, you know, tournament to watch. Even though it's this year, it is stacked: Michigan, Iowa State, North Carolina, Alabama, Gonzaga, Southern Miss, Seton Hall, Oregon. You know, there's at least. Let's see. There's at least five tournament teams in this yeah. in no, this it, field. It, it, it's a good looking tournament, and uh, as for watching, you, you got to play hurt sometimes. It's not going to be <laughs> you got to play hurt. But that game, I think it would require obviously Oregon would have to beat my other team, Seton Hall. Um, so that's going to be a conflict of interest for me during that one. I'll recuse myself from any rooting interest. They would have to beat <laughs> Seton Hall, and then they'd probably have to beat Gonzaga as well. And if they beat them, North Carolina should should be able to progress there, and then I can get my guy, Dana Altman, and see how he locks in uh, Cole Anthony. Yeah, the, North Carolina definitely has the easier path uh, than Gonzaga, Seton Hall, or Oregon. Um, North Carolina's toughest game will be, I mean, I'm going to guess, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing Iowa State is going to beat Michigan in that matchup, and then that's when the North Carolina will play. So I, I don't expect anybody but North Carolina going to the championship game uh, from the top half of that bracket. Bottom half of the bracket, you know, I I hate Gonzaga. Just full disclosure. Which, by uh, the way, I know I said he was out, but Killian Tilly's back. So bad oh, info okay. for me. Not, not It'll a Gonzaga be a good win if Arizona beats them now. I, yeah, I got okay. Arizona, <laughs> okay, favorite, Arizona by three. That's not okay, right right. There you go. Okay, great. So just because they're, they're playing at home. Yeah, okay. Um, but I could see either of those three teams. I don't know if I have a uh, – I'm laying one way or another when it comes to Gonzaga, Seton Hall, or Oregon. I think they all have an equal opportunity to to play North Carolina. I am maybe going to say that Miles Powell is going to just go off during this tournament and that Seton Hall will play North Carolina in the championship game, which is really unfortunate for Oregon if they lose that first game. Or Seton Hall, whoever loses that first game, extremely unfortunate because – they have awful matchups the rest of the term. They'll have no like resume building type of, uh, you know, you'd almost rather lose to Gonzaga in the second game than beat any of these other three teams that they're going to play going along. Cause they're all shitty. So they're not going to have any real, uh, you know, resume building type of opportunities. And, but it's even like losing to Gonzaga in the second game, 88 to 86 almost looks better than beating Southern Miss by a thousand points. So uh, that is probably, in my mind, maybe the biggest game of this entire tournament in terms of the outcome and how you look, are going to look at a team for the rest of the season. Because losing to, like I said, against Zagar or North Carolina championship game is not, nobody thinks of you b- badly about that. But if you don't even get that opportunity, then uh, it's going to hurt you. So Oregon and Seton Hall are going to be on the very similar seed line, in my opinion. So that game might be the difference between that when it comes down to the end of the year, but then also the fact that when you lose that game, you're you're losing your opportunity at any uh, 
resume building wins makes that in my mind probably the most important game of the tournament yeah this is going to be the best tournament of uh, feast week for sure with the names that you had mentioned i'm going to be the biggest gonzaga and oregon fan because arizona plays them uh later later in this year so you want them as you know undefeated when you when you play them so potentially to take them down uh, i also am looking forward to a unc oregon game potentially because I want to see Cole Anthony versus Peyton Pritchard. Oh, and I just want to see the disparity between those two. I mean, Cole Anthony is going to undress Peyton Pritchard if those two match up in point guard play. So, uh, yeah, those are the UNC Seton Hall, UNC Oregon, UNC Gonzaga. Hey, maybe even our boy Tyrese Halliburton could take over the tournament for Iowa State. A lot of big names, a lot of good teams uh, going here. And this is going to be a huge opportunity for, for them to. To, to get to secure some wins and actually shark this could be a good opportunity for your boy kevin willard who in my opinion is slightly above penny hardaway in terms of of coaching ability we'll see this this could be a prove it tournament for willard he doesn't have to prove anything he's made the tournament four straight years he, he's got his team ranked in the top 15 he coaches at freaking seton hall he's probably got no budget to get people in there's probably no five stars on the team like what more do you want this guy to do uh and as to your point about peyton pritchard against cole anthony uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of people thought that James Wiseman would have been able to stop Peyton Pritchard, but you can go back and watch that game and see Peyton do this step back three right in the perennial number one overall pick's face. And Peyton Pritchard, I'd, I'd like to see that matchup too because he's going to give Cole a good dose in fundamental basketball. Unbelievable. So fucking check, lame. Check, check the tape. Check the go well, I, I remember that game. three. I think, I, think three, I think three possessions prior to that. He, he turned the ball over like twice. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I doubt that. And I the time <laughs> I'm pretty sure he turned right, the ball yeah. over. Okay. Any other games you guys are looking forward to watching during, during Feast Week? Uh, what else did I miss? Well, you know, I was going to say, if we would have done this preview about an hour and a half ago, I bet you all three of us would have picked Michigan State to win the Maui Invitational, right? Am I wrong on saying that? I mean, I, they're kind of embarrassing me right now. Uh, they they haven't played to the consensus number one overall team, and obviously there were three entering today, and they'll drop after this loss. Yeah, I mean, so now Kansas is just going to walk straight to that championship. Don't yeah, they're gonna they're gonna walk to the title game, but don't don't be sleeping on Dayton, Obi Tippin. That might be my boy. He's fucking good. He scored in twenty points in every single game this year, I believe. Well, Obi Trice, so- no real name, no gimmicks. Yeah. <laughs> So, did they win this morning? Yeah, and they were they were uh, well, obviously poised but... to play. They were poised to play Michigan State, and then Sparty just lost. Yeah, so they get uh, who did who did they they get Vatek? Yeah, so that's gonna be a uh, I don't know I don't want to say an easy game because obviously they just beat Michigan State and Vatek six and zero, but much much better matchup for your boys at, at Dayton than uh, than previously expected. Um, yeah, I mean they could they could come out of that top half of that bracket now because uh, there's, there's no other talent up there. There's no, there's no real talent on the bottom end of that bracket though, either UCLA and BYU. Sure. They're good name schools for basketball, but neither of them are good. So um, that's your classic great part about the Maui invitational for is people east of the Mississippi. Don't like, don't watch like one game of it because the games tip at like midnight, especially the last game, the last game tonight tips at 11 30 p.m in eastern time yeah so nobody's watching that game no 
I, I got I, I got three games that I think will will be entertaining at least Thursday. I'm not including any of the games just because the focus shouldn't be on basketball on that day. But Friday, this is where you're going to want to pick up a few. First in the morning, you got Tennessee, Florida State. That'll be a slugfest. Mm. Afternoon, I got my eye raised on this right now. Louisville is playing Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky is six and one. This and is Hilltoppers. Yep, yeah, this is a state rivalry. I'd watch out for that one. I'm I'm eyeing it. And then to kind of loop us into uh, another topic, I wanted to discuss. I think I will later in the show. Utah State St. Mary's. Uh, good good opportunity. It'll be 11:30 p.m. Eastern Friday night. You're probably out drinking with your high school buddies. You've probably got nothing to watch on TV at that point. There's no games on. Pop this one on because these are going to be two tournament teams. They're both very good teams. Utah State's ranked number 15 in the country right now. St. Mary's was preseason ranked. This is where you can make those uh, decisions in March based off of one game that you watched in November. Well, continue running with this then because I was about to go to twit and hugs. What, what was the other thing you wanted to discuss? I want to talk about Utah State. So I've been... Uh, talk to me about Utah State. I will. Uh, I, I was on this kind of this run lately where, you know, a lot of times when people are gambling or they're looking at lines, they, they are looking at them and immediately you're going to fall on one side, whether it's a public team like the Packers last night or whatever. And I've gone with just looking at lines and if something stinks horribly, like it just makes no sense at all. And I, I'm very picky about this. You know, I'll announce one like every three days to a select group of individuals. And if something just really stands out to me, I'll be like, you know what, this stinks. And then you just do the opposite of what you would naturally do. Um, and I was 5-0 and on these. I had like UMass against Northeastern after Northeastern beat Harvard. I kept rolling, whatever, mainly in the NBA. I, I get them. But then I saw this one. LSU was playing Utah State on Friday night um, in Jamaica. And Utah State, they were ranked 15 in the country. Uh, they hadn't lost yet. They're blowing people out. LSU was unranked because of their loss to VCU. They, um, even in the preseason rankings, they were below Utah State. So everything was like, all right, why Utah State should probably be a little bit, definitely be favored in this game against LSU. But they were only favored by a point and a half, which I thought that stunk. That was a stink line. So I, I sent it out there. First half, LSU wiping the floor with Utah State. I thought it was over. Uh, it was the same Utah State team that was in the tournament last year. You got Sam Merrill and you got the guy with the, with, uh, alopecia, the alopecia guy, no hair. Um, he killed me in the second half. That guy, <laughs> that's a glue guy. He might be one of my boys now. I have, might be my fourth boy. I love that. I don't even know his name. I got to look him up. <laughs> but anyways, that stink line just really, really, if you caught the score, LSU blew uh, a, I think it was 20 19 point deficit in the second half. Um, and the stink line died for now. So we're, we're, <laughs> we're on a break. But Utah State kind of proving me wrong. Uh, I thought they were a soft team after their tournament loss to Washington last year. Um, but this was a big win for them. And my LSU, uh, I've been standing on top of the mountain for LSU with Skyler Mays, so much Malcolm Brogdon and Skyler Mays and Javante Smart, good ball player. Um, they, they're stumbling out to a three and two start. But I think that's a team that will still be dangerous. Yeah, that Utah State result actually helped me help me understand a little bit more why they were ranked so high. Because uh, Taylor and I had discussed even after their first game where they didn't look so great, you know, they're they're off to a shaky start. And we had discussed Utah State and and St. Mary's as both teams mid majors being ranked in the top twenty five, not looking not looking so hot. With after St. Mary's had to go to overtime against Wisconsin, 
but uh yeah the, i think that might be a new segment for us shark stick stink line of the week yeah is this, like, is this our svp bad beats not not bad beats i don't want to turn this into it but if oh, ver- ver- version of it i yeah, guess yeah, you know yeah. right De- definitely a version of it um but gosh this one stunk to me and you know i was right too that's the thing that bothers me right now because i was right that was that was the right pick that pick that line stunk you know, one more numbers. One, numbers don't care about how the game goes, man. One more uh, note about Utah State is they have the sneaky most underrated home court advantage in college basketball. Their home court advantage is is sick, and they are the real, the now annoying. I I believe I believe that we will win whatever whatever. You know, they were the first team to do that, like fifteen. 12 years ago and now like everybody does it and wants to make it their own because nobody has any creativity anymore and i'm blaming all of the like are the, are we are college kids still millennials now i don't know whatever no, that's gen z i think gen, I'm, I'm i'm saying all the gen z people have no uh, ability to be creative and they just copy everybody else's chance but utah state does have creativity one of the most underrated co- uh, home court advantages in basketball yeah that was all spearheaded by wild bill sprout Amazing super fan wow. for the Utah State Aggies. You, you see his photo on Facebook? You see that no. picture of him recently? No. Does he look good? The years have been rough. Let's put it <laughs> well, well, you don't. You don't. No, you're not named Wild Bill and age gracefully. Okay. Like you, you kind of have to have a look to you if your nickname is Wild Bill Sprout. I mean, here's the deal. Huge I will beard. Not, I will not tolerate any Bill Sprout slander because unlike Marty Smith and Andy Katz and Dick Vitale, he doesn't block me on social media platforms. Bill Sprout's a man of the people. Also, to your point about underrated home court advantages, the most underrated best home court advantage resides in Phoenix, Arizona with the Grand Canyon Lopes. They it just suck this year, though. Who Make cares? I don't care. No, 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 no. You you know this. This is our dynamic. I care about the flash and the cool, the coolness level. You you want to be practical and make tournaments and shit. That's lame. <laughs> Go to a GCU Lopes game or just look at it on Twitter. It, it looks amazing. And actually, Shark, real quick before we do wrap this up uh, with with our segments, I want to ask you: Do you want to take this opportunity to uh, discuss McGillicuddy and and his response to you on Twitter after that Skylar Mays quote? Yeah. First of all, who is that guy? He's an avid listener. He's an avid listener. Thank you, McGillicuddy, for tuning in. I mean, if you, if you couldn't tell that I was being sarcastic and saying so much Skylar Mays and, and so much Malcolm Brogdon and Skylar Mays, you think I just heard, was trying to palm this off on my own McGillicuddy when I'm on a college basketball show? You think I'm just going to plagiarize John Rothstein on a college basketball show? Your comment was the most obvious thing in the world. I was clearly being satirical. Um so I was doing it because I wanted to get credit for it. And then, come on, McGillicuddy. But anyways, I appreciate you listening. And, um, you know, you, I, I, I kind of like, <laughs> like this guy. I like you, you came at me deservedly. But, I, I mean, use your head, McGillicuddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, his name actually is McGinnis. But I'm, I can't imagine that's going to deter you from calling him McGillicuddy. No. <laughs> Also, the guy, the alopecia guy, Utah State, Brock Miller. Just want to make sure I say his name. And with that, he's my fourth boy. Peyton Pritchard, Skyler Mays, Brock Miller, and uh, Miles Powell. Wonderful. Great. What a, what a, you need a fifth to round out that lineup, though. So it's still early in the season. There's a long time. Feast week will probably determine another boy, actually, because someone is going to have a big run in one of these tournaments. 
All right, let's round this out now with uh, some segments. But before we do that, a quick message from our guy, Zach, at the Barnburner Podcast Network. All right, guys, twit time. This week in feet, I was having a lot of trouble finding something, so this one kind of stinks. But do you remember who Joe DeRosa is? Yes. Former NBA ref, Joe DeRosa, uh, in 2010, this week in feet, refed a college game after being suspended by the NBA for one game for throwing a ball at a fan during the Celtics Magic Eastern Conference Finals game, too. Do any of you remember this? <sighs> Not. Uh, I remember the name and that there there was a reason behind it, but not not the specific throwing the ball at a fan. I don't think. Do you remember this <laughs> that happening at all, Shark? I do not, not at all. The only thing I remember from this conference finals game is when Rondo was like chasing after a ball, and Jason Williams, White Chocolate, was about to pick it up, and Rondo's on the ground, and he like palms it. And just mm. lays it up. I think we all remember that play. Oh, yeah. But yeah, uh, that was actually far more theater than Joe DeRosa in 2010 refing a Butler college basketball game after being suspended. Can I chime in on a on a this week in feet uh, segment here? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's better than whatever this was. <laughs> Two years ago today is uh, when Alabama with three players almost came back and beat Minnesota. Oh and shit! I, I forgot about that. Like. Uh, uh, who's their guard that plays for the uh, Colin Sexton? It, like almost led the team back with three players, uh, and both teams were ranked too. Alabama was like ranked twelve or something like that. And Minnesota was ranked twenty-five. So that was two years ago today. In case you were, you know, needing a, another nugget about this week in theater. It, no, it, it, that was so much better. I I want to take the like Men in Black pen and <laughs> erase the Joe DeRosa nugget from all of our listeners' memory. <laughs> Just just listen to the Colin Sexton, Alabama versus Minnesota. And that's our that's our twit. Uh, all right. Last but not least, hugs. I'll, I'll kick us off here. My hug is going to San Diego State. They're unveiling new turquoise jerseys, which look so goddamn sexy. And it comes on the heels of the heat revealing their like teal turquoise jerseys. Turquoise just works. But San Diego State is uh, honoring Native American Heritage Month with these jerseys, and I think they're going to be auctioning off these jerseys and proceeds go to uh, some charity. I didn't really look too much further into that, but the jerseys look look very, very clean. Hug for you, San Diego State. So Nike does uh, does a and they call it an N7. It's Native American uh, pride gear that the, Nike does every single year. Uh, that they put out. So kind of cool that they're um, looping that uh, uh, actual college in for that this year. That's pretty cool. Who Who's your hug for Taylor? Uh, so in, I guess surprisingly that we're going to have two segments about refs now uh, on the same program. Uh, I'm hug giving a hug to uh, ref Roger Ayers. He's now officiated 19 straight days in a row. D1 college basketball game. What? Via, via Jeff Goodman. Uh, yeah, so he, and all over the country, like started off, ref the Duke-Kansas game, North Carolina-Notre Dame, Marshall-Robert Morris, Vermont-St. Bonaventure, all the way. <laughs> to, I mean, North Carolina, South Carolina, Kentucky, Ohio, Illinois, Tennessee, Oklahoma, Massachusetts, Virginia, Delaware, 
West Virginia. Yeah, all over the place. Nineteen guys in a row. This guy is a bell cow. Feed him the carries. There are like 9,000 refs in the country, and this dude's got to fly around the country every single day to go. I mean, there's got to be a little bit of lag going on at this point. Just ref that Wake Forest-Davidson game last night, uh, or whatever, earlier this week, I should say. So, yeah, pretty wild. That you know, You know what that tells me? It tells me that he must hate his family. Probably just has a nagging wife and, and kids at home. Would literally rather be running up and down in a gym for 19 straight days than go home and be a family man. He uh, he probably uh, they'll think of it this way. I don't know how ref payment structures work, but maybe he was a little short on funds. Maybe made a bad investment in this this summer and really needed to stack some chips before the holiday season. Th- things get expensive here, you know. And he so he's just grinding away at everything. In- Reffing St. Bonaventure games on a just jet lag, red eye. Where do you even fly in to get to St. Bonaventure? I don't know. But that's my hug is because he actually probably needs a restful hug. He maybe he needs more of a shoulder right now than a than a hug. But Roger Ayers. That's a great hug. Yeah. I I mean that, that's that's the nature of the beast. We're in Q four, guys. We gotta <laughs> we gotta we gotta grind it out till the to the end. It's not holidays just yet. No load management for Roger Ayers. None. Shark, who's your hug? Are we feeling generous today? I am feeling generous. I should have done this last week, but I had to give it to Austin Clouch, my guy from Nichols. But uh, my hug this week is going to go to Boston College great Troy Bell. Troy Bell is going to get his jersey retired. It was announced last week. I'm not sure what game they're going to be doing it, but this is long in the in the making. Um, all-time leading scorer at BC. People like to pick, pick on BC right now because they're – terrible in the ACC and they think that they're never going to get over the hump but I want to remind you motherfuckers of something because early in the early 2000s BC played in the Big East yes the Big East that everybody has the nostalgia for that everybody wants that everybody thinks is you know the tough tough brand of basketball you got guys like McGillicuddy probably went to UConn he's going to talk about Big East basketball everybody everybody loves the Big East well when Troy Bell was at BC BC ran the Big East they ran the Big East. He was the Big East Player of the Year, I think, in two thousand two. Uh, they won. They won the Big East outright in two thousand one. They won twenty seven games that year. Um, this guy was a stud of a player. Almost three thousand career points. Put BC on the map. Led to the Jared Dudleys of the world. Led led to the Craig Smiths. Uh, and now that led to nothing because we're, we are where we are. But tremendous honor for him. Great guy to put up in the rafters. I gave some love to BC because I had I had put Craig Smith on my starting five of Big East players all time, like during our lifetime. But yeah, Troy Bell just plays with that fat ass, you know, fat ass basketball. Big big beefcake. That's right. Same game as you. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, appreciate the hugs. We will be back next time to discuss more Feast Week and uh, some more games. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you soon.